last chapter of Hebrews has what's called a benediction. The word benediction, diction speaks of speech. Who appreciates good diction? Uh, I desire to have it. Uh, the word bene relates to good, uh, as in benefits, beneficial, benediction. It's a word that means blessing. And so he ends this letter with this blessing. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. As we'll see today, many of the letters conclude with blessings, and they all open with blessings. And we'll see that Christ practiced the same. In fact, the last thing he was doing as he's ascending back to heaven 40 days after his resurrection, his hands are raised and he is blessing the people. Who knows words are important? Uh, there's a proverb that says, he that speaks, speaks like the piercings of a sword. We understand that in the negative sense. Who's ever been cut by words? Yeah, man, the written word is real cutting. If you're in a debate or a discussion that's going south, don't do it by texting. Man, that just goes way south. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> Let them hear the tone of your voice. They hear you say it once, whereas if it's written, they can read it 100 times, and you're guilty of far more if you are wrong in the situation. Let's read this verse together. Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The word amen isn't just a concluding word to a prayer, that's it, shut up. No, it means I believe. It means it's true. When Jesus would make a proclamation, he would start out with, verily, verily, I say unto you, or some translations say, truly, truly, I say to you. He says, amen, amen, I say to you. So it's a precluding word as well as a concluding word. Uh, the reason I chose this text today, it opens with, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead. Today we celebrate that. Years ago, Christ rose from the dead. We'll talk about that. The InterVarsity Press commentary has this to say about this benediction, these blessings. He said, these words rank among the most powerfully worded blessings found in the Scripture. They gather up the passionate concern of the writer for the reader's spiritual growth and stress the major factors that make such growth possible. The God of peace, who raised up Jesus from the dead. <laughs> the blood of the eternal covenant, the resurrection of Jesus. His shepherd care for his sheep, the indwelling life of God himself. The equipping of the spirit, the aim to please God and the eternal glory and lordship of Jesus. It is all there in one glorious outpouring of good wishes 
and confident certainty. It's like a torrent of blessing. It just rolls and builds, and it's awesome. May the God of peace, that's who he is asking to bless, the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, and who's Lord Jesus from the dead? The great shepherd of the sheep. So basically he's saying, may the God of peace, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, that's what the shepherd of the sheep gave for us in pouring out his life, may he make you complete. He's able to make us complete through this covenant that we have with him. In every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. So he works in us in order to work through us. So we work out what God works in. Our working for the Lord is working from, not a working for. We don't earn our salvation. Anybody say that's true? He saves us and he puts in us new desires. He puts in us, as we grow in understanding him, puts in us a sense of appreciation that inspires us to move forward. So we're not working for some kind of favor. We're working from the favor that he's given us. We work from revelation rather than desperation. Inspiration rather than perspiration. The priests in the Old Testament temple we're not supposed to sweat while they worked in the temple. <laughs> I'm probably going to sweat today while I'm preaching. But the, the point is, to relate to God, there's no sweat. Jesus, sweat as it were, great drops of blood for us. He conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. And so we work from that position of the finished work of Christ. And he's still working in me. What? we're working out. Got it? The word blessing means the act or words of a person who blesses. So if a person gives you a car, someone in this room did that for me one time, that's a true blessing. You bless someone a car, that's awesome. Maybe you prefer horses, but man, that's, that's a lot of work and takes a lot of time to get places. But a person not only has a blessing act, but blessing words. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. Words do hurt. But words also bless. So a blessing is not only an act, it is words. And words are important. It also means a special favor, mercy, or benefit bestowed by God. The invoking of God's favor upon a person, that's what this prayer is. And it means praise, devotion, worship, grace. So today, we bless the Lord. We gave him praise. We expressed our devotion to him. We worshiped. But we also reminded one another through some of the songs we sang that this is the sound of dry bones rattling. We're coming out of the dead works of this sinful world. We're beginning to walk a new kind of walk. So that's blessing one another. As we bless the Lord, he blesses us. And we're to exhort one another daily as we see the day of the Lord approaching. So that's the meaning of the word blessing. Why did I do that? Because today's topic is Resurrection Day Blessings. Can we say that? Resurrection Day 
the Lord's blessings are all possible and available to us because of the resurrection. In Numbers chapter 6, the Lord instructs the first priest through Moses. His brother Aaron was the first priest and his sons. He said in verse 22 of Numbers 6, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. I know this, but I love to read it. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Will Rogers said, may the good Lord take a liking to you. May the Lord smile upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then he said, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. What is a name? It's a description of who you are. It's your reputation. It's your character. Good or bad. A good name is to be desired above rubies, one of the Proverbs says. The name of the Lord is good, and we put his name on people by blessing him. This is the roots of Israelite culture, the pronouncing of blessings. Many times on Shabbat, Friday night, when Jews begin their day of rest, they have a special meal, and it's like Christmas. I mean, it's really special. Moms go all out. And the fathers will pronounce a blessing over their children. No wonder. So many amazing inventions are coming out of Israel. You speak blessing over their child, they'll arise to the occasion, right? But what's the habit of many Gentile households? Friday night usually involves alcohol and cursing. Instead of blessing our children, we will curse them. You'll never amount to nothing. You're just like your father. You're this, you're that. What will children do? Well, I want them to try to fight against that. I don't want them to be that. I want them to fight against that. And they will. But then when something discouraging happens, who knows, discouraging things happen in life, your words will ring in their ears, and if they believe an ounce of it, it will will kill creativity, it will destroy courage, and it will make losers out of them. Maybe you fight voices in your head that were spoken over you in curses. That is not God putting his name on you. That's you-know-who at work, right? All right. I said it should have said you-know-who. So let's go through this, the first few phrases of this blessing. Now, may the God of peace. This reminds me of several things in the New Testament. Uh, It reminds me of Jesus. The first words he said in his resurrection that Sunday evening, when he, uh, in Sunday morning, when he appeared to the women, he said, rejoice. Sunday evening, when he appeared to the men, he said, peace be with you. The same day at evening, that's uh, resurrection day evening, Sunday, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, that's the Judeans in southern Israel, 
Jesus came and stood in the midst. He just walked through the wall and said to them, Shalom, y'all. Peace be with you. And then he continues, verse 21. He said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And these are more than just words. There's power in them. When he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now this is not a scriptural basis for holding unforgiveness in your heart. This is a scriptural basis for forgiving sin. Because if you don't, you're retaining sin in your heart, and that is never a good thing. Can I get a true that? In eight of his letters, Paul begins with these words, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Peace, in the Hebrew language, shalom means wholeness. It's it's peace that involves your mind, but it also involves your relationships. And it's not based on compromising with your enemies, but on conquest. A lot of the lack of peace in the world is because nobody's winning, and so it's just nonstop bickering, and we need to let Jesus win. He took our sins to the cross, did he not? He paid it all, so we can let it go. Peace. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain, they are retained. If you don't do that, you won't have any peace. Meanwhile, he's speaking peace. May God help us to Receive that peace. In three of of his letters, he begins with these words, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ. Peter, likewise, begins his second letter, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul's wrapping up this letter, he says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Always in every way. The Lord be with you all. Yes, he was a southerner. The Lord be with, well, if he was southern, he'd say, the Lord be with all y'all. May the God of peace. In the letter to the churches in the region of Turkey called Galatia, Paul wrote, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. When you're reading the Bible and you see that, don't think yada, yada, yada. Read it. Bask in understanding it. And speak it over yourself and speak it to your household. Speak it to others. Words are cheap. No, they're actually very expensive. They'll get you in court paying fines, losing lawsuits for libel or slander. Words are expensive. Now, words that aren't backed up by your actions, you know, 
bless you when somebody sneezes, but you could care less about handing them a tissue. That's, that would be cheap words. This God of peace is our peace. In speaking in, of this subject in Ephesians 2, Paul writes, For he himself is our peace, who's made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. We saw this last week earlier in Hebrews. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. What is he talking about? He's talking about Hebrews and non-Hebrews, Jews and Gentiles. We've been separated by the law of Moses. They were endeavoring to live by it. We're total heathens. No separation. Unclean. We... uh, Some people are horrified at the thought of ham for Easter. Resurrection Day, you should have lamb, right? Um, Anyway, let me get back on the subject. (laughs) So those kind of debates divide us. But Christ came, and the law that demands our death, the wages of sin is death, the way of transgressors is hard, The ultimate fine for the ultimate wickedness was paid by the Lord Jesus on the cross. God planned it and he set it up. Look it up sometime. In Leviticus 24, the crime of blasphemy calls for capital punishment. This is why they thought they had the right to kill the Son of God. Because they didn't believe he was who he said he was. And if he wasn't who he said he was, then he was a blasphemer. And according to that passage in the law, he should be executed. And that's what they did. But that was a crime in itself because he was not blaspheming. He was who he said he was. He was the fulfillment of so many messianic prophecies. Do you see this set up? God set it up. So what killed Jesus? Unbelief. Unbelief. Jews and Gentiles. Us had our hands in it. And in so doing, he allowed himself to take the place of sin. An innocent man shouldn't have to die for the crime of another, right? Innocent man died in our place, and God counted it as righteousness for us, credited our books with fully paid, so that, I don't want to miss any little detail here because I don't want to backtrack, so that you and I could go free, more than just free, but blessed. It'd be great to get out of jail, wouldn't it? The smell of air outside the big house and being away from all those annoying folks. But it'd be really great to get out of jail and be rewarded. It's great to have our sins forgiven, right? But it's even better to be credited with his righteousness. Not only are my sins forgiven, but I've been made righteous 
Somebody said, just as if I'd never sinned. It's not true. We did sin. Christ's the one that never sinned. But he gave us his place while he took our place. Then he rose from the dead three days later. And as our high priest ever lives to make intercession for us, he ever lives forever and ever to make sure you and I receive the full benefits of his sacrifice. Can we say blessing? So, we have no reason to be at odds with anybody. You may be 100% right in a conflict, but you have no reason to be at odds with anybody because Jesus bore the wrong. So the person you can't stand, he loves just as much as he loves you, and he died for them too. So, speak blessing, speak blessing. Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead. That's who we're talking about. Blessed be, 1 Peter opens his letter. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. We celebrated that in song today. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So we have a living hope for our future. Through what? Through our good deeds? No. Through the resurrection of Jesus. He died as sin and arose is the line of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> Revelation opens with these words in its fourth verse. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's a firstborn from the dead. What does that mean, firstborn? He's the first man to resurrect eternally from the dead. All res resurrections before him were temporary. They were dead men walking until they died again. He is the firstborn to rise from the dead. The first, why? He called the first and not the only. He is the only right now, but he's the first because there's going to be others. You, and you, and you, and me, and us, and them. Through the resurrection of Christ, we've been assured, he being the first fruits, us being the fruits of his actions, have hope for a future resurrection. Isn't that good? Do you really believe that he rose from the dead? Yes. And every resurrection day, I'd like to remind us of some of the reasons I believe. You probably have better reasons than me. But one reason I believe in the resurrection were the enemies of Jesus, the ones that wanted him dead. Because if there was no death, there would be no resurrection, right? It would be pointless. They wanted him dead, and he was executed by professionals 
and they did not want a fake resurrection pulled off because he predicted his resurrection more than once. He predicted it. And they would take his words and twist it and say, he said he would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, which was a ridiculous thought. But he was talking about this temple. So they made sure there could be no fake resurrection. They made sure the body could not be stolen. So all the theories out there to discredit the resurrection are destroyed by the enemies of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? God is so awesome, even his enemies are working for him. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says, God made all things for himself, even the wicked for the day of doom. I just want to warn you, maybe you take comfort in being an unbeliever and your conscience doesn't bother you because there's all these different religions. Everybody has a way. They're all the same, yada, yada, yada. I'm just doing my family thing here today. But I'm telling you, there's only one prophet who claimed to be the Son of God and arose from the dead. So listen to me closely. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you want to stop your ears right now because this is going to disturb you because it is so convincing. We have his enemies made sure there, could, there was a legitimate death. This thought of fainting and then rolling away a huge stone by himself and then disappearing makes no sense. There's the empty tomb. You could go see the thing. There was no denying. There were guards falsely saying they fell asleep, but there were the followers hiding out of fear. So where was the body? They forgot which tomb it was. I don't think so. This thing was done publicly. There's the eyewitnesses. Eyewitness testimony is admitted in any legitimate courtroom in the world. And we have the recorded stories of many eyewitnesses. Numbers as high as 500 are given. Eyewitness testimony, they said they saw him. For 40 days they saw him. And others said they saw him ascend back to heaven. So there's, we have to deal with these testimonies. There's the empowered followers, the scaredy cats, the ones that didn't want to hear about him dying, and the ones that when he died went into hiding and even denied that they knew who he was. Their lives are so transformed by the resurrection and the infilling of the Holy Spirit that they became bold witnesses. And of the 11 faithful disciples, the apostles, they all died torturous deaths except for one, and he was tortured. And not one of them recanted their faith in the resurrection. It was against the religion of their people, Judaism. It was against the religion of the Roman Empire, Caesarism. The story of the resurrection was in their face. And people were becoming believers by the thousands. Ten days after his ascension, there was possibly 3,500 believers. 120 men plus 3,000 people became believers, and more than that. And growing. Why? The empty tomb and the convinced followers 
who would not recant in the face of loss. There's the embracing of the empire. Three centuries of fighting the resurrection story. The Roman Empire eventually embraced it. Constantine's a controversial character, but it gave the church some relief as they were getting killed like dogs. Something happened in this resurrection story. There's the engraving of history. We live in 2022 because of the resurrection. B.C. and A.D. You can call it C.E. and B.C.E., but that's just playing games. The numbers are still the same. B.C. is before Christ. A.D., the correct way to, to say the year is A.D., 2022, not 2022 A.D. B.C. is the correct way, you know, 100 B.C., 400 B.C., but A.D., 2022. We live in year 2022, year of the reign of the Lord. Anno means time, like annual, and domino refers to lordship, like dominate, anno domino. The year of the Lord is 2022. His reign began in his childhood, because historically we think he was born in 3 B.C. Now, how does that work? If you study it out, it is fascinating. So we live 1,990 years after the resurrection. So time is measured historically for the whole world because of the resurrection. And the final reason I believe in the resurrection is enduring results. You're in a room full of people whose lives have been transformed because of their faith in the resurrection. They're not perfect people but they care for their fellow man and they care for truth so they will not celebrate wickedness or tolerate confusion and allow it to come into their household, but they won't be ugly and try to kill folks. Why? We are followers of Jesus. We stand for truth and our lives have been transformed through faith in the Lord Jesus, which is only possible because of his resurrection. Every year, friend, this day comes around and you're going to be confronted with this question. What will you do with Jesus? What I'm sharing today is the gospel and saving faith, if you keep listening, can begin to dawn in your heart for by grace are you saved through faith and that is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God you find yourself beginning to believe what I'm saying, that is saving faith dawning in your heart. Go ahead and let it happen. Believe the story and call on his name. Let's just do it right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I call on your name. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for our sins. And I believe you is risen from the dead. Come into my life. Make me yours. I believe in you. Something like that can be the kickoff for you. Yeah, let's go on with the rest of the text here. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd 
of the sheep. Jesus declared himself to be the good shepherd in John 10. 10, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. Verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. My Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. It's a resurrection. He's a shepherd like no other. If you're in agriculture, sheep can make money by giving their wool and their milk. You ever had Greek cheese? They can also make the ultimate sacrifice by giving their meat, mutton. You ever had lamb chops cooked on a grill? Elder Greg Harrell and Marietta have ruined me for life. I don't like lamb chops any other way. Cooked on a grill with, forget that mint jelly, jalapeno jelly on the side. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is awesome. That's the ultimate sacrifice for a sheep, and Jesus made that sacrifice for us as the lamb. But he's the shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. That's like upside down, isn't it? He had power to lay it down. He could have called angels to shut that whole thing down, but he submitted to the will of his Father. Resurrection day, he arose from the dead. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you, what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Be blessed, y'all. The Lord bless you and keep you. Not in in the service, just blessing you. <laughs> the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. His peace. May the God of peace work in you what you need through the blood of the covenant. The God who raised up his son from the dead. Do these things to make you complete for every good work. He is risen. Happy Resurrection Day. I love that song, The Blessing. It's a rendition, a version of number six. My pastor, Olin Griffin, used to sing that over us. The blessing of the Lord be upon you. I bless you in the name of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord be upon you. I bless you in the name of the Lord. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. The blessing of the Lord be upon you. I bless you in the name of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord be upon you. I bless you in the name of the Lord.
of the Lord. Oh, and we would just bask in that before we were dismissed. So I, I love blessing, the power of blessing. It's powerful. When we were in this building the first few years, we were plagued with crickets every year. Everywhere. I mean, you'd have to sweep them up. I remember have visions, memories of Roy Cooper with a dustpan and a broom every week sweeping up crickets. They'd get in the light fixtures where we have fluorescence. They would just go everywhere. We were cursing these silly things. And the Orkin man was faithful to come, but all he could do was kill him, right? We had a man named Kerry Kirkwood come and speak to us on the power of blessing along these lines. And I changed my tune. When I'm sweeping them, up, sweeping them up, I began to speak to the crickets out there. Crickets, I bless you in the name of the Lord. I want to see you live out your full lives. Just don't come in here. You come in here, you're going to die. The Orkin man treats this place every month. Organically, by the way. So children eat the dead cricket, it doesn't hurt them. It's been years since we've had that problem. Does that have anything to do with their disappearance? I don't know, but it certainly helped my attitude. <laughs> so this is a new rendition of the blessing. Leah leads it sometimes. A praise team does it. It's awesome. I'm not asking them to do it today, but I found this version. I was looking up. Uh, they, they do this in multiple languages all over the world. It's just amazing of the song. But here's one version that is the world brought together. And I think you'll enjoy this. Watch this.
Oh, oh, oh.
God, we thank you for the blessing that you give us. We thank you for the peace, the joy, the love that completes us. God, we ask your blessing upon our life. But in the same token, we want to bless you with our praise. So, Father, we give this to you. Father, we give our praise, we give our words to you. And may the Lion of Judah roar from his people.